Well, hey everybody, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam, I'm the middle school intern here, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys, talking about one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of James. But before we get into the text here, before we begin, I'd really just like to pray for us here. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to open up your word together. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking through me, that you would give us postures of humility as we are seeking to study your word and trying to understand you more. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we have together. I pray that this message would not fall on deaf ears, that you would just speak through me during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I'd like you to look today at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And please, if you can find a physical Bible, I'd really appreciate you doing that rather than just looking at a screen. So let's take a look, starting in verse 7. And our big idea today is that patience through suffering is the result of God's grace. So let's look at the text to see where that idea comes from. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So this passage here is talking about patience despite circumstance. And this should really sound familiar to all of us. I know it's, it's low-hanging fruit. It's, a, it's an underhand toss, but we've been going through COVID for almost a year now. And whenever I read this passage, I'm always just so amazed at how applicable uh, and understandable, understandable it is in our context today. Not only have there been a myriad of mundane problems of not being able to go to your favorite restaurants or not being able to hang out with your friends, but there's really been some serious strife that's come out of COVID. I mean, there's some real suffering that's come about because of this time. I probably don't even need to remind you guys, many have uh, lost loved ones, many have lost their jobs. And I'm willing to bet that most of you are struggling mentally and emotionally during this time. There just seems to be such a cloud of uncertainty and an abundance of fear in our world right now for the future. And it leads us straight into our first point, that patience is hard. Patience is hard because we live in a broken world full of broken people. And this pandemic has only exemplified that. Patience is not an easy task when it feels like there's just no end in sight. And guys, this has been difficult to put in practice for me, even when we're not going through a big pandemic like COVID. It shows up uh, that I'm not naturally patient even in the mundane circumstances of life. You know, it's, it's gotten to the point that when I'm sitting in a drive-through for more than 15 or 20 minutes, there's a good chance that if I don't have my food by then, I'll just go and leave. I can finally understand why my dad would always tell me there's always food at home whenever we had passed by the Linwood McDonald's over here. It's just not a good time to, to sit and wait. When people send me videos on Instagram that are over 30 or 40 seconds, there's a good chance that I'm not even going to consider watching them just because I don't want to wait through that. Here's another big one. When I was an, a freshman in high school, I just felt like I was owed a relationship. I had been waiting for too long, and so I jumped at the first opportunity I had to get with one of my best friends at the time, actually. And it was a total mistake. It lasted maybe a month and a half, maybe two months. Totally ruined our friendship. Uh, and I learned a valuable lesson that day, that patience is very difficult and it's very important. So James understands that patience is hard for us because suffering is guaranteed and we're broken people that need God's grace. 
That's one of the reasons why he's writing this. And ultimately, James is hinting at something we really need to understand here. Even though the world is full of suffering, we need to be reminded that there is hope to be found in God's grace. When that is understood and fully grasped, faith gives birth to a posture of patience. And I would argue that COVID has been one of the greatest tools for maturity that we've ever experienced because it's given us an avenue to represent Christ-like patience to a watching world. And as followers of Jesus, this is our chance to share the gospel through our reactions to this pandemic. So the question is this, how do we put this patience to work? Well, it starts with defining what biblical patience looks like. And that leads us straight into our second point, to trust God. Trusting God is the foundation of biblical patience, right? Patience is just the acceptance that God is in control and that his plan is often above our level of understanding. We learn back in James, in, back in chapter one, that God is unchanging. You guys might have heard the old saying, I love it dearly, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And that's where we get this from. The reason why that saying is so popular and has passed the, uh, all this time is because it's so true and it gives so much hope. The fact that God has been good in the past gives us hope that he will deliver us in the future, inspiring a posture of patience and allowing us to trust him. We may not have it figured out, but we serve a God who is sovereign. And so we have reason to have hope despite current circumstances. So James gives three examples here to illustrate this point. Each of them are living out that posture of patience through their actions. We hear about the farmer who waits for his crop. Uh, We hear about a prophet. And we hear about Job, two Old Testament characters. So let's get into the word here and see what James is talking about. Starting in verse 7, let's look at that again. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. So something important to realize here, I want you to look at that word valuable. This cro- this, his harvest is probably this farmer's livelihood. It's going to be the inheritance that is passed down to his kids. It's his way to put food on the table. And more importantly, the farmer does not know for sure that God will even bring rain in the future. We learn back in chapter 4 that the future will always be uncertain to us. So the only thing that we can be sure of is God's unchanging nature. And the farmer here stakes his entire livelihood on that. And so based on the fact that God is always good and always unchanging, here's what we know. Because God was good in the past, we can trust that he will be good in the future. And sometimes we just need to slow down and wait like the farmer. Hebrews 11.1 provides us with a great definition of this faith. And it parallels what James is talking about here. Here it is, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And so, guys, even though COVID has been rough, even though it didn't work out with the person who you thought would be your soulmate, God is just saying, hold on. You have no idea how good I can be. Let's keep going here with verses 8 and 9. We're taking a break from the examples here, and James is hitting on something very important. Let's look at verse 8 here. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Ultimately, we have no idea when Jesus is coming back. James is purposefully ambiguous here when he's talking about this because it just emphasizes how much we need to put our faith and our trust in God. So what does that look like for us? What's interesting, the Greek word for patience in these verses is makrothumeo. 
It means long heated, and it's referring to somebody that takes a long time to get fired up or burnt out. Being patient means that we're calm, we are anchored in the hope of the gospel, and that affects the way we treat each other. James points out here that a lack of patience leads to grumbling, which leads to judgment. It's a serious issue. And one of the biggest places I see this happening is through social media. I can barely open my social media, my Instagram, or my Snapchat without seeing an abundance of arguments and charged opinions over a debate that's going on in the world right now. And this is something that the church is guilty of. As believers, we're very guilty of this. And if we're being urged to be patient in this passage, and we can't even be patient with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, we really need to check our hearts and see where our intentions are with our actions. James highlights that this is a serious issue by bringing up Jesus' second coming and describing him as a judge in addition to our Savior. Right? Patience is the difference between eternal rest with God or eternal separation. Trusting God's grace and having that assurance of salvation allows us to be patient despite circumstances affecting our temperaments and our actions. And verse 10 speaks to this idea with the second example of James coming from the prophet. Let's look at verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, because the prophets understood that God was sovereign over their ministry and that it was being used for a purpose, they were able to endure through hardship and preach the word despite not seeing immediate results. Jeremiah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, preached to Israel and Judah. He pleaded with them to turn from their ways for 40 years and not, no one listened to him. I'm sure that many people just thought he was a failure, but it didn't affect Jeremiah because he had that trust in God. He had that hope, and he trusted God through that ministry. I'm sure that many of you guys have felt like you've failed at sharing the gospel with a friend or with someone you're trying to work on, because I know I have, and I've got another story here as well. This is only about a month or two ago. I was getting my hair cut at a barbershop down in Seattle, and usually during the barbershop, I'm really cheerful, I'm really jovial, and I just want to uh, conversate with the barber and really get to know him. It's one of my favorite places for ministry. But this time, I just wasn't feeling it. I just got up in the chair and I just wanted him to cut my hair and shut up. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. So halfway through the haircut, haven't really said a word to this guy. We know each other's names, but that's about it. And he, he's, he's doing my sides and he says, so what religion are you? And I was just totally stunned by that question. I'd had no idea he was going to ask something so upfront. And so we talk about Jesus for a little bit. I show where I'm at. And uh, he just kind of nods his head and says, well, I I'm Buddhist. So that's great. And I honestly was just stunned. I had no idea what to say. In any other situation, I would have loved to ask him about his beliefs and share more about mine. But for some reason, I just, I, I didn't know what to say. I remember leaving the barbershop feeling so convicted that I could have done more in that situation. But here's the thing. God is the one who works in people's hearts, not us. It's prideful to think that we're the ones who can change people. We are called to sow the seed of the gospel, as Jesus shares with us in the parable of the sower, and to trust God with his plan. And that goes back to our definition of patience. It's the acceptance that God is in control, right? God spoke through Jeremiah and used it for a purpose, even if it didn't seem like it at the time. So finally, in verse 11, we see the final example of patience in action, and it leads us to our last point here. When faith guides our actions, we represent Jesus well. Let's read verse 11 and see what James is talking about here. Verse 11, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. 
The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So here James is talking about this guy named Job. And if you guys have never heard of him, I'd highly encourage you to check out the book of Job in the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. It's an incredible story. Here's the basic premise. There's this guy named Job, and he's off in this far-off land. Uh, and he's got a big family, tons of crops, big house. He's throwing these big parties all the time, and he's a man after God's own heart. God is loving this guy. And so we see God and a character named Satan conversing up in the heavenly realms. Uh, and they, they're looking at Job, and they're thinking, man, this guy's pretty cool. And Satan says to God, you know, I bet if you took all his possessions away, that man would no longer serve you. He would no longer uh, trust you. And God says, do your worst. See what happens. And so Job has everything stripped from him at this point. He loses his crops. Uh, all of his livestock is killed one by one. His own children, uh, are, they have a house collapsed on them. They're all killed. Uh, and yet Job will not turn away from God. Job 121, this is Job talking here. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And at this point, Job even has his own health stripped from him. He has painful sores all over his body. And his own wife, the one who's supposed to love him most, says to him, curse God and die. What are you doing? And at this point, Job still will not turn away. He still is steadfast. At the end of the book, God gives Job back more than he had before. Keep in mind here as well, Job takes place in the Old Testament. He had no idea of the second coming of Christ let alone anything about Jesus. And so his faith was completely built on God's unchanging nature and his assurance of that. So how can we apply the story of Job to our own lives? Well, similar to Job, we are to represent Jesus well through physical and emotional suffering. This means that when circumstances appear to be unexplainable, when you can't you know, make sense of what's happening in your life, when people seem to be unchangeable, like the friend you've been trying to share the gospel with, followers of Jesus are to remain steadfast because our trust is in something greater than this world. And we're called to be a light, to be Christ ambassadors to a broken world. And when I say that word steadfast, I'm talking about someone who has been tested and has stood their ground, similar to Job. In fact, the word patience in this section translates in the Greek to hupomeno, literally means to remain under. It's this idea of steadfastness over a long period of time while remaining faithful. And the end of verse 11 says that God is full of compassion and mercy. And that's our reason for patience right there. We serve a good God who will always provide for his people. And so here's what I want to leave you guys with. This is my hope and my prayer for you. Instead of dwelling on our confusion and our uncertainty of the future, I pray that Christians would be enamored by the unchanging grace of God and allow that to dictate our response to suffering. God is not finished yet, right? And with that, I want to leave you with some questions to think about uh, as you're going throughout the week or as you continue to study this passage. Uh, first one is this. How have you seen God working in the past? And how does that affect your faith today? Right. Second is, when is it difficult for you to maintain a posture of patience? And finally, what does it mean for you to represent Jesus well through uncomfortable circumstances? And with that, as you're studying this passage, I pray that you would be thinking about those questions. Uh, but I'm going to pray this out real quick. Lord God, thank you so much again for this time that we have together. God, thank you for being here with us uh, wherever we're watching this, wherever we're studying. I pray that you would be with us in the weeks ahead. 
God, I pray that you would help us understand what it is that we can control, and God, that you would give us the strength to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference between the things that we can and cannot control. God, I want to pray for Alderwood. I want to pray for the staff. I want to pray for the students here, God, that we would really want to live for you, that we would better understand what patience is uh, based on what this passage is saying, that we would uh, be Christ's ambassadors to a broken world based on your word and your word alone. Thank you for the hope that you've given us through your salvation. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.